special Easter episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are blessed to be with you, along with two very dear, wonderful, I must say awesome, <laughs> sick, cool, beast, um, friends, and just wonderful companions along the journey, Mike and Molly McCartney. Welcome to you all. So folks, declarations are powerful. Declarations of light can vanquish the darkness. And tonight, can we as a body of Christ, even if we don't feel it, even if we're struggling as we are on this earth, can we declare that Christ is risen? Can we declare that he is risen and that in his Easter grace he has conquered death? And that right now in this very moment is a new moment of grace. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you are dealing with, by declaring Christ's victory and his glory in our life, just declaring it opens up space in the atmosphere, the space in the world around us for him to work. So do that right now. Whatever's going on in your world, just declare he is risen. He is powerful. He has authority. He is Lord. That means he is over all. There is nothing that is beyond his understanding and his power. And in this moment, if nothing else we're going to do tonight, we know we're going to open up our hearts and minds to experience Him. But if nothing else, let's learn to declare His authority. Let's learn to declare His resurrection victory in our lives. So let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, how awesome it is that we have come in our Catholic faith to regard you as real presence. How many of us, Lord, are right now in a moment of alienation or isolation, which is to say yearning for real presence? And you invite us, God, similarly to recognize where we are really at, not just the, the, the us that we want to present to others or to you to fabricate. You invite us right now to a place of authenticity, of realness, whatever that struggle is, heart, mind, body, and soul. God, we want to we wanna bring it. We want to be real before you because you showed us real by taking on flesh and blood, by conquering sin and death. You want to meet us in that space of authenticity and reality. And so we open our hearts and minds now, God, that you see very clearly, that you love, that you know, that you've made for your indwelling spirit. We avail our hearts and our minds to receive you tonight, Lord God to know how much you love us and to live more deeply in that intimacy with you, so much that it overflows to those most close to us. We desire that to happen tonight as we hear a story, as we connect with the roots of our lives, as we invite, Lord, our listeners to connect with your movement in their lives, their life, their death, the resurrection moments. We ask all of this in your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So first of all, folks, a commercial. 
If you've been following us the last few months, you have seen that we have really been led to streamline what we're about with mass impact. And perhaps it's punctuated by the URL, the website, direction, that is very simply uh, ilovemyfamily.us. ilovemyfamily.us. We invite you to go there. And what are you going to find when you go there? Well, you're going to find a very clear one-page description that hopefully appeals to us all that directs, um, if you will, to us the possibility that there's more than these great connect-the-dot events we've all experienced, that God wants us to live beyond connect-the-dots. He wants us to experience His grace alive in our marriages, in our families, every day as the fabric of our lives. And, and so we are seeking to simply be faithful to what God has revealed and proclaimed and died for, and that is to live it, to live it out in the abundance of grace in our marriages and families. And we get it's a challenge. We get it's a struggle. So we invite you on that page to click on to the uh, Family Road Trip podcast. You'll hear short episodes of four families that had the audacity, the courage to take up the journey every week to bring their family together to talk and pray. You hear episode one, their reservation, their doubts, their fears. How can I bring my busy family together to talk and pray? And isn't it forced and it's not organic and it's not real? All those reservations that you may have right now, they had and we have them. But they said yes. And if you follow it through the seven, 20-minute roughly episodes, you're going to hear them talk about tremendous grace that came alive to the point that in the seventh episode, every single one of them said, we got to continue this. Yes, we go to Mass. Yes, we pray the Rosary, but we don't bring our family together to put that flag in the sand in our homes and really connect heart to heart. That's what we're about, folks, and we know it's a challenge. We invite you to join us in saying yes in a particular way beginning June 15th for a next season of live it groups it's going to be a launch event on june 15th at uh, holy trinity parish a two-hour event at there and we will introduce to you these live it gathering guides and some of those folks who are in that podcast will share some of their powerful testimony we know a number of you have already done this but a two-hour event beginning at 2 15 saturday june 15th followed by what seven weeks of talking and praying. We provide the free gathering guide for both groups and for families to do that. And cool this year is that Father Mike Danderan, whom we love, who's awesome, is going to be bringing like a 10-minute every week, a new episode on making the most out of Mass. Which of us don't need to more clearly understand how this great gift, the source and the summit, is connected to our real lives? Well, he is going to bring that in a new episode that will be woven into these Live It gatherings. So again, ilovemyfamily.us. It's free. Sign up for You'll see sign up on there. Sign up for that. Join us. Plan on joining us as a family or as a group on June 15th. Commit to the seven weeks. See what God can do with that. And then it will be uh, punctuated by the concluding Ignite on July 31st. So please join us in this awesome adventure of God more fully coming alive in our marriages and families. Awesome. Can't wait for that to happen. So keep that in your prayers also. Um, We love to proclaim the scripture passage from Revelation um, chapter 12, verse 11. They defeated the enemy, and boy, don't we see him Mm. at work huge today. Um, By the blood of the Lamb, our holy mass, right? How blessed we are as Catholics. And the word of their testimony. And folks, that's what we love to, again, just proclaim that we all are called to share what the Lord has done in our life. And too often we think of testimony as some huge, big conversion moment and praise God for those graces. 
But look at the cross. That is each and every one of our own conversion moments. But the Lord desires us to proclaim the extraordinary from the ordinary, all those ways of graces and moments that he has worked in and through. And so we are so blessed tonight to have Mike and Molly McCartney with us to uh, defeat the enemy people, yes, by the word of their testimony. And I can say on a personal note mm-hmm. that we see those graces in the defeat of that enemy and the way that they live their lives, the witness that their marriages, anybody who knows them knows what I'm speaking of, and their family life and the delight in which they proclaim love of family um, through the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, right? I mean, that's just the stuff of life, but just the gift that it is and how they proclaim that. Um, also, on a personal note, I just want to say that we are coming up on our six-year anniversary in just a few weeks, I think May 13th, of moving here mm-hmm. together as a family. Um, and Mike and Molly were, I want to say, the first people that I felt so embraced by. I'm probably going to start to cry. And um, just loved on. You guys were salved to my That's heart and soul. Loved on. Yes, yes. And just the great joy and welcome and love and witness. And um, Molly, you like became my instant hero <laughs> with any question <laughs> that I had from homeschooling to parenting to just being that that person, that smile, that face, and Mike, your love and affirmation, and just the way that the Lord used you to each and every one of us mm-hmm. in our family. Um, and also uh, blessed to have the hour that follows Molly's Holy Hour at St. Joan of Arc mm. in the Adoration Chapel. And I, I mm-hmm. feel like I, I like have smooth sailing because Molly's already been in there <laughs> and she already got all the grace flowing and like put God in a really good mood for me or something. No. <laughs> and we but get to pray the Divine Mercy, Mercy together, together every Friday yes. at 3. Yeah. So on a personal note, just a huge shout out as you guys are sitting right in front of us. But I praise God for bringing us together from almost the moment we moved here in the great source of grace and support and strength and love that you have been to us from the beginning. So thank you very much. So. So I can the, just take the hour and affirm Mike and Molly McCartney and, and their wonderful yep. family. So you are beacons of light to all of us. But we're going to go back to when you were just little sparklings. <laughs> and, uh, That's a fun word. Sparkling. sparkling. Just, just Let's make me that one popular. So we want to tell us. We want to hear a little bit of the Mike and Molly story, and let's go back a little bit to the beginning. Beginning with you, Molly. Share with us a little bit about your roots and how really you were on the path to more fully encountering and embracing Christ in the fullness of our Catholic faith. Yes. Well, I grew up. A very, I think it was a very idyllic childhood. I grew up with all of my cousins. I was on the Anderson farm with mm-hmm. all of my cousins, and we all went to school together. We all went to mass every Sunday together. Um, we had such um, role models mm-hmm. in our parents and in our cousins and in our aunts and uncles. So life was pretty easy. And I found personally, I was a rule follower anyway, by nature. So I I don't have that big conversion or reversion story. I just was, I loved the Catholic Church. And I, I followed uh, my parents and in their great direction. And so it made my life so easy from the very beginning. Mm. And so, um, through 
high, grade school, high school, and college, I just never found myself out of the boat. So, so let me color that blessing. in a little bit, That's Molly. So what praise were, God! Right? Give us praise the name God. of your parents and your siblings, and where did you go to school? Well, my parents are Tom and Mary Pat, and my siblings—I have a lot of them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> do you remember the You're... names? <laughs> oh, I remember the names. Yes, yeah. I do. Okay. And where are you in the lineup? I'm number three of okay. Mary, Andy, Molly, Tony, Matt, Janet, Alan, Ted, Fritz, Alex, Kitty, Tom, and Angel. Okay, Ooh. awesome. So really, you grew up as a family, really 50s, 60s, 70s, Yes, that era. And so we kind of had post-World War II generation flowing into, uh, you know, a lot of tumult in this country mm-hmm. and your parents um, needing to raise children in that culture. I'm sure you experienced that, you, Vietnam War yeah. and uh, sexual revolution, the pill, mm-hmm. all that stuff, all the that music stuff. and whatever. How did you experience that culture, how did it affect you as an Anderson in your home? Well, I think that there was a lot of leadership in my home, and we had a, we had dinner every single night. At we set the table at ten of six, and we sat down at six o'clock. Wow, had, that's awesome! It was amazing. My mom was very structured, and my dad was always home, even though he was busy. He was always home for dinner, and we had lots of discussions. I, you know, I mean, there was. Uh, a lot of discussion at our table. So I I grew up just, I think, clear-minded and very clear about what was right and what was wrong, mm-hmm. according to my parents mm-hmm. and according to the church. And it made, it made it very easy for me. And I, I admired them. I believed them. And mm-hmm. then when I when I met Mike and his family, I saw the same sorts of things in his family, and we led a very traditional life. You know, my mm-hmm. mom stayed home, and so that made it easy too. I mean, there there just was we were very traditional in our upbringing. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of rules. <laughs> we, you know, we a did lot you ever rebel the, against them? When I say rebel, in maybe high school, even question them. I did. What did you find? If you don't mind me asking, what were maybe some difficult things? Noting that God is forging in us ownership, right? And it's just part of no matter how good a family culture is. Yeah, we're going to face where I want to own it myself, so it's natural. What were some maybe challenges you recall? They were they were too strict. I mean, if I if I were going to pick apart, they were too strict for me. They I knew what the rules were and. There were some that I just decided I would break because then I knew, which was kind of a weird thing, <laughs> but I knew that if I broke the rule, the next time I wouldn't have to, and that would have been my decision. Mm. Pretty silly teenager way of doing it, but uh, I recognize that, and, and we've talked about that in our own marriage, just trying to find that balance where you know you want to guide your children but not force them. Mm -hmm. So don't we all know that can be a pretty major challenge. Were your values shared by your classmates and culture? What was your sense of maybe the temperature in the water changing? As you were clearly blessed with a good compass, Mm -hmm. but, you know, describe for us maybe what was it like to be surrounded by maybe an atmosphere that your home culture differed with? Yeah, well, by the time we got to high school, and you might have some things to say about this, Mike, but it was very liberal and I think that, you know, I went to Catholic school, but we didn't get a lot of 
necessarily Catholic teaching, and there was a lot of liberal thinking in the kids around us. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I would say that was a challenge. I think that was a challenge. I, um, and we discussed that at home quite a bit, too. Mm. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So not to be overly philosophical, but maybe helpful for our <laughs> listeners, for just the word liberal, you know, freedom is what its technical meaning is, and it's come to devolve into an understanding of essentially a kind of man-centered tyranny, mm-hmm. that what I subjectively, whatever my emotions and desires are, I'm entitled to them. And oh, by the way, the government should support them, and even the consequences for them mm-hmm. is essentially become the thesis of our current day that maybe generations, our kids and grandkids, don't quite understand. I mean, there was a time, and let's face it, the U.S. Constitution was an act of liberality, of freedom, but it was anchored in an understanding of truth. And goodness, I like that Cecil B. DeMille idea in the Ten Commandments. He's the producer of that great film, right? And he says, you really can't break the law. You can only break yourself against it. So in a sense, you were experiencing kind of a, um, if you will, a, a cultural adolescence. Not just you personally, mm-hmm. but you were in the midst of a culture that was saying, well, we're going to rebel, we're going to try, we're going to test this. Maybe these truths of sexuality, for instance, or, you know, in the whole realm of things, um, and we see now, let's face it, 40, 50, 60 years later, we see um, the collision. We see many people wounded from those experiences. We can't create our own path. Just a little thought there for our listeners and how important that is to maybe understand. Sure. And just I just keep thinking, what a gift. Obviously, you've said that your family was, but just that sense of security and um, direction. consistency and direction that regardless of what was going on outside – you knew you could always come back there, mm-hmm. and that was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's a- and we always had those discussions about uh, that isn't right mm-hmm. in our opinion, and this is why. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to be right. in a family that had those kinds of discussions. Right. So at least for me, I swallowed it. I agreed. I so mm-hmm. it made life easy for me. You got the what's and the why's. I did. That's awesome. That's a key way to put it, too, is my parents were a generation of knowing the what's that didn't always have a response to a generation that was asking why. And, of course, with the likes of Scott Hans and apologetics and all of that uh, has hopefully enhanced all of our faith experience. That There is a what, but there's rich understanding. Mike, McCartney household, sparkling days. Give us a little bit of the background of uh, Mike McCartney growing up and coming to own and embrace your faith. Thank you, Greg and Stephanie, and those encouraging words you said at the beginning here. So true. I aspire Mm. to live up to those. But now you're on the spot. So that's (laughs) like Molly, I I grew up with a wonderful family. Uh, I had a mom and dad that truly loved being parents of a big family. I'm Mm. one of nine. We grew up in the country. I love my siblings. Uh, They have been the best of friends, still are to this day. My mom and dad are both past, but I had a very solid upbringing. My mom and dad, my dad's a World War II post-depression kid too, and he fit that traditional fatherly role where they didn't express, or I should say, speak to their love very much. But we never questioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a man of few words in that regard, but he provided and gave us a wonderful marriage mm-hmm. in his marriage to my mom, a wonderful mom, I should say, in uh, his marriage that he gave us. So we had a great background. Mm-hmm. We, um, we had Catholic education all through grade school, up and through high school. And 
Well, back then it was very affordable. Still, my parents had to make sacrifices sure. to do that for nine kids, right. and they did right. that. That was important, and they spoke to that. Mm-hmm. So we didn't talk maybe catechism a lot, but we talked our faith, mm-hmm. and mom and dad were very good about that. Uh, a lot of dinner room, uh, dinner table conversations. Yeah, so, and my dad was also a very traditional disciplinarian, and this is <laughs> this is back when you know, spanking kids was okay, yes, right? Yep. Yes. And some of my friends, when they would come and have supper with us, they were taken by the the, the visual of a buggy whip <laughs> at the table. And we had a very, we had a specially built table for our big family. There were nine of us and mom and dad each sat at an end and the buggy whip sat right on the ledge by my dad. And he could grab that six foot, <laughs> six foot buggy whip and tap whatever kid he needed to on the head <laughs> to straighten up. And um, Can we get one of those? Yeah, anybody that ever came to our home, which often we had people there for dinner, they will remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Mike, where were you in the I lineup of nine? I was right in the middle. Okay. Of course yeah, and it was a very, uh, it was a very, gosh, it was a wonderful place to be because I got to know all my older mm-hmm. siblings and my younger siblings. Mm. And I was born at a very critical time, right? I mean, I was still on that cusp of uh, of those that got um, the Baltimore Catechism. Mm. And I remember the Latin Mass. And 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 uh, so we were about Vatican II. And we remember uh, when it all started changing. Mm. And that's still being debated today about mm-hmm. what that all meant. But we saw the communion rails go. Mm-hmm. And back then it was kind of cool. We thought, wow, this is the new way of the church, right? And I look back now and I so treasure that really traditional mm-hmm. formation I got with my catechism. And I think we've learned a lot about how we catechize and how we form. But um, there was a whole lot right about that Mm. that I think got thrown out for Mm. a while. We did. We threw the baby out with the bathwater. Let me press you on that for a second because I think we've come to a point over the last, learn the last 10, 15, 20 years that the philosophy or I should say the the spiritual approach of of bring Starbucks into the proverbial sanctuary and we've seen actual evangelical churches do that but let's make everything accessible has been the word let's let's meet and accommodate individual desires and it's entered even into the liturgy to a significant extent um, and there's a loss of even understanding what was it like when it was approaching liturgy as I'm coming into a timeless uh, context where there's transcendence revealed by God and I need to avail myself to it as opposed to it accommodating me. I don't know. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but maybe share with us and those who are listening somewhat of how that was formative and how it gave you maybe a structure, I don't know, a sense of connection that it wasn't about I need to hear the next scintillating song or mass is boring, but approaching liturgy in a different sort of way and how that kind of helps structure life. Mm-hmm. How, do, how maybe today's generations don't get that valuable dynamic yeah and and i i don't want to overstate the value of memorizing something i mean we can memorize a prayer or memorize a verse from the bible but not internalize it and really try to live it Mm, true but my age and older you can walk into any group and ask for a unison response to the question who made you boom God God made me. me. 
who is God. God is the supreme being who made all things. Why did God make you? To know him, to love him, to serve him in this world so we could be happy with him in the next. There's some value in that. And having that scripted answer, you can't stop there. We have to reflect on it. And to know those rote prayers that still to this day I call upon them and I, I use them and I use them as a source of my own reflection, and my own meditation. So I don't want to throw them out just because they were old and there's such a value to right. them. And I got that from my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad were just devout. My mom was a mm-hmm. convert. So back then, um, you know, when she left her Lutheran church to become my dad's wife, that was a big deal. Yes. But she had the blessing of a wonderful family. But it was a lot of uphill pushing sure. back then. I mean, it was even as, it was difficult. So she gave us a great example of how a convert embraces the faith, too. That's awesome. So to go from the heavens down to earth, I have to ask the question, Mike, and now you're probably a little nervous. What is Schleter going to ask here? <laughs> I might be nervous. Let's talk bull riding. we got to talk bull riding. Come on. This is a little-known fact of those in this community who know about the McCartneys. Mike, the bull rider. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I... I grew up on a small <laughs> horse farm, and I always rode horses, but there was something about the rodeo that really just pulled me. It intrigued me. And um, uh, I knew when I got old enough, I would think I was probably, by the time I was a senior in high school, that my cousins and I went and entered up in a local rodeo. We didn't know what we were doing, but I caught <laughs> the bug. And, and I just said, I, I really wanted to do that. And I just, I fell in love with it. Love with it. If I could have convinced Molly that was making a living, we'd be chasing one today. Well, parents of seven is a really yeah. a big yeah. difference. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So that was really a fun part of my background. Yeah. That's awesome. So we have your background. Again, folks, tune into Ignite Radio Live. Very blessed to have Mike and Molly McCartney with us again, sharing their story, their backgrounds, both of them coming from beautiful, larger Catholic families. A witness that is too rare, but we certainly have those examples. And we see in them the anchor of of God's grace through those families that have sustained them through so much. But we're going to chronologically move forward now. So you got to tell us the dating story, the meeting. How did you meet? Where did you meet? And you know, just carry us through that Mike and Molly dating story. Well, Mike came to St. Joe's Mommy in fourth grade. and uh, Cute little Mike. Oh, he was. <laughs> he was cute. And uh, he was introduced to our class, and my friends and I kind of looked at each other and thought, oh, yeah, he's cute. <laughs> so that's when I met Mike, is fourth grade. Wow. And we went, we were in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade together. And then he went to St. John's, and I went to Macaulay, and we we had a few dates in high school, and we had a few dates in college, and I knew he was a really good guy, and I have to say he he pursued me pretty. <laughs> okay. So you had Sparks, you mentioned, even as early as fourth grade, friendship, obviously, yeah. Catholic school back then, if you will, and uh, just friendship. When, when did sparks begin to fly here and for whom you're kind of suggesting mike <laughs> mike, mike we'll Looking turn the mike. story to you <laughs> well uh, in fact i remember i put molly up for homecoming queen she didn't get it but i mean i was i was head over heels for her in high school and she didn't know this but, but she was know. she was pretty elusive and, and and that probably all worked out for the best right uh, she's nodding listeners yeah <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, we started dating, I would say, seriously, our senior year in college. She was at Miami and I was at Ohio State because by then you're starting to think a little bit more seriously about right. life. And I knew her my whole life and I knew the stock she had come from and I knew what her constitution was. And I, I did know her well enough. <laughs> yet you're that, not a horse. <laughs> it's para, parabolic. He's using concepts he's familiar with. But, but, I, but I thought that's the kind of person I this know love language, Molly. that I could marry because I saw that some of the same qualities in her that I had in my mom. Mm. And everything they would say about how much your mom influences you, a son, and the mate you choose, for me, was true. Mm. My mom and my wife are very different in many ways in their temperament, but in their core values, Mm. they were very similar. Molly will tell you that she soon became the biggest fan of my mom. Let me pick up there. Let me pick up there because when... Uh, I all through college when Mike was pursuing me, I I'm sorry to say I stiff armed him. I was not <laughs> gave him the highs. Took him to the rodeos. I mean, what, <laughs> yeah. the, what does pursuing what look like, Molly? What does pursuing look like? Because you don't have cell phones, you don't have yeah. email. I mean, oh gosh, well letters, I'll tell you. What? Oh yeah, he actually came to Miami one weekend and surprised me. And it was riding like, a bull. No, <laughs> <laughs> if he could have, he would. But it was like, what are you doing here? Right. You know, I hmm. just wasn't as gracious as I should have been. But um, I did know in the back of my mind that he was a really honorable person. And, you know, maybe I'd give him a look later. I don't know. (laughs) I wasn't mature enough. But when we were going into our senior year, I, I happened to be at the same wedding that he was at. And I had a long conversation with his mom. And I'm not kidding you. I just thought, Oh my gosh, I got to get to know that man better uh-huh. because his mother is amazing. Mm. And I, I always tell the story. I pretty much fell in love with his mom before I fell in love uh-huh. with him. That's so. I cool. ju- I just thought I wow. really have to take a better look at this guy, wow. and so I did, and I fell madly in love with him. Aww. You know, and I haven't seen the influence of a That's mom. That's awesome. A quick interjection. that story. A quick <laughs> interjection. Amazing? The young John Paul, who's running Soundboard now. His, I was uh, going to say, Jape, are you listening? He, uh, <laughs> has stated that whatever girl he dates before they commit is going to have to be put through the mom-girlfriend boot camp. <laughs> so well, come up with we're actually thinking name. about this, you know, <laughs> maybe a month-long tour of duty with... Stephanie and the home and all that. Anyways, no, it's oh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> the intergenerational thing is just absolutely beautiful. And I think if people don't experience that, they're missing something. Yeah. That dating isn't just between the two people. You're bringing families in a context, Trinitarian context of grace that you're giving great witness to. So that's wonderful. When when was it mutual? When was there a sense of mutual and important? Like mutual and a sense of you know, this is a participation in a sacrament. Wait, quick question. Mike, did you know that they were talking? Were you a part of that? Oh, I can I can see him right now. Okay. I, I can see it clearly. Yeah, it was at Mike Ehrman's wedding at the at the yeah. Anderson gym. Yeah. And I can remember looking over there and seeing you and my mom oh, yeah. talking, thinking, go, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did she know your affections? For me. Oh, That's that awesome. Was, that was in August, and we started dating immediately. Actually, Mom and I had it all planned. Out. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That was part of the strategy. intercessory power going Your on. Your own strategic right. plan happening. Going on. Yeah, Saint Francis. Okay. Yeah. So the neat thing too that he's you're you're experiencing his core. You're experiencing 
the woman who formed him and that quality and character. How yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. It, wow. it made a huge difference. And I know I I aspired to that holiness. She was an mm. extremely holy woman. And I, uh, by that time, I had really started to make my faith my own. And I just thought, oh, wow, she, this is where I can grow. This is mm. where I can grow. And so I, I mean... We started dating immediately, and we were married the next year. That's awesome. awesome. What are their names, yeah. by the way, Michael? Your parents, Michael, Mike. My, yeah, my my dad was Bob McCartney, and my okay. mom was Fran McCartney. Bob and Fran. Bob and Fran. Awesome. Rest their souls. So dating, and the beauty that you're sharing with us is it was thoroughly organic, and I suspect because you were anchored in your faith. You you avoided a lot of the modern-day intensities that people, the drama, the intensity that people today may not even have a concept of. I, know. I mean, you shared a fundamental core, I, I, Catholicity. Yeah. Um, just for our benefit, did you talk about marriage and what you thought it would be in family and did you what were your what was the nature of that courtship yeah. what was important to you as you grew it was, together it was an, it was a courtship and amazingly we talked about what we wanted out of it and the parameters and how to keep it holy and it was just like how how were we so lucky and blessed mm. because that doesn't always happen and or sometimes People fall into things that they don't even mean to. Right. But we just were so intentional from the beginning. It was just a grace. That's awesome. I'm I'm so grateful for it. It made our it it has made our life easier and and you know just helped us to grow from the very first day mm-hmm. in the direction that was fruitful. Right. Beautiful. I have to ask you for our benefit and those who are listening, you paint a picture of um, a beautiful culture of religion and ritual. And we might presuppose this, but Pope Benedict punctuates it in his Jesus of Nazareth trilogy that relationship is the heart of ritual. Relationship is the heart of religion. And we saw the emergence of that. That was a good, I think, was a recovery in the 70s and 80s of what the church understood in the early centuries and throughout the church history, but maybe lost a little bit of the relational heart of things. How did you experience together in your faith, now together, respectively, this personal relationship with Christ at the heart of your Catholic faith? Was that phrase alien to you at any point of personal relationship with Christ as you had religion, but Catholics weren't comfortable with that kind of thing? And clearly you you shared relationally about important things. Yeah, and and even today, um, with all the, the sharing that we have among faiths, that Catholics and non-Catholics, Protestants, evangelicals pray differently. They talk mm. differently. Yes. We, we got a different language, the way we, we relate to it. Both of us actually in our college years had some pretty positive and, and deep exposure to uh, the non-Catholic side as well. Mm. In, in my rodeo background, there were a lot of guys that were devout Christians but there weren't any Catholics. Mm. That was just totally foreign. So mm. I, I was in for a while with a strong identity with a lot of guys that really, they were evangelical, they were Bible-based. They opened up a new way of talking and mm. a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior was one of them. And I'll, I'll never forget this this story that um, 
when they one guy in particular, this was at a rodeo out in Kansas City, and he found out he knew that I was Catholic, and I heard all this later that I was especially a target of his, and and he approached yeah, to me save one time. <laughs> he approached me and said, "Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior?" And you know when you get asked that question, they're looking for something very specific, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. an event, a date, yeah. a moment in time. So I was ready. Yeah, I, 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 I got, I got, I got. Uh, informed that that he was going to be approaching me. So I was prepared. I had a chance to kind of rehearse it in my own head. And so I can remember saying to him when he asked me again, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I said, accepted him. (laughs) Accepted him. I have consumed him. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. (laughs) April 18th, 1964. Toledo, Ohio. That's it was awesome. my first Holy Communion. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. And he Dude, looked at me like, music. I have never heard that response That is before. so good. So I, 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 I will encourage my Catholic brothers and sisters, know your first, first communion, communion date. date because yeah. it is one of those real mm. personal, yes. nothing gets more intimate, right, than consuming our Lord. That's why he came to us that way. His mom raised him well, Molly, didn't she? So I still have the holy card. That's how I know the date. That's awesome. So with your respective large families, I do think this was an awakening. You had the charismatic renewal in 67 in Duquesne, and so Ralph Martin and those folks, and you saw a fairly quick proliferation of like Crisio, which was sort of the core experience of the Paschal mystery, and awakening Catholics to this dimension that was is meant to be the subjective truth of our Catholic faith, but we're meant to subjectively interact with God. It's personal, it's relational, in all of that. Did your siblings similarly experience this uh, at that time, or was it particular to the two of you? In my family, it's a little bit more particular to us. There's just more of a smattering of different ways that we've all internalized in Mike's family, and we have pondered this our 40 years of marriage. Every mm. single one of his siblings are in the heart of the faith. Mm. and It's awesome. Yeah. And and we talk about it and, and try to determine what it is so that we can. Because you want it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Molly, you mentioned 40 years of marriage. Yes. <laughs> Tell, oh, coming up. That's yeah. so beautiful. Again, thank you for your witness um, tell us about those early years. They were beautiful. They were so much fun. Um, we uh, got married about a year and a half after we started dating, I think, something like that. And um, we were so excited to start a family and um, have that big family like our fam- our families had had. We saw how well it worked and wanted to mm-hmm. do the same and... Um, uh, that didn't happen for us. Mm-hmm. We ended up um, uh, just discovering that we had fertility issues. And so that was a big challenge for us because it was the first time that we started to recognize that uh, that the American way of, you know, wanting something and being able to achieve it, you know, at, at your own pace that was that was a hard lesson for us to stop and have to have to try to um, 
slow down and accept that our timing wasn't wasn't God's timing. Uh, we had to accept that life isn't always going to turn out exactly mm. the way you were hoping. So it was very, very difficult. It was very difficult, but, you know. Continue to share that story with us. We know it's a key part of your... You want to tell them about when we came home? Yeah, you tell them that. It was so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So Molly and I were living in Indiana, and uh, we had come home one time uh, at my, my folks' home, and many of my siblings were there gathered. And little did we know that they all had been praying for us to have children. Mm-hmm. And my mom had found a novena to uh, St. Gerard, and probably rallied the rest of my siblings around that, and they had been praying a nine-month novena for wow, us. We months. didn't know this. Wow. So wow. when we came for supper that night, at the end of uh, the, the before meal Grace. prayer, uh, my family, there was a, just a pregnant pause, and then they broke into good St. Gerard, powerful intercessor before wow. the throne of God and wonder worker of our day. We call upon you and mm-hmm. seek your aid. Mm-hmm. You know that Mike and Molly's marriage has not as yet been blessed with the children, ch- children and how much they desire this gift. Please present our fervent plea to the creator of life from whom all parenthood proceeds mm-hmm. and beseech him to bless them with a child whom they may raise as his child and heir of heaven. Wow. And it just was so heartening. Wow. I can visualize that. that. How powerful. So fast forward at the end of that nine-month novena, we were on the adoption list mm. in Indiana. And we were told it would be three to five years. Nine months later, days within mom finishing that nine-month novena, we got a call from Catholic Charities that there was a baby girl waiting for us. Wow. And they said, you break the record books. We have <laughs> never had this happen. You were like number 27 <laughs> on the list. But we tried to accommodate a birth mother's request. She had three of them. Number one, that the parents be Catholic. Number two, that they be from a large family, both of them. Wow. And number three, that they live in the country. You were the only one that wow. had all wow. three. That's so we awesome. got, And that was, we believe, a direct intercession absolutely yeah, for us yeah. to wow. start our family so if not a girl he would have been named gerard probably huh <laughs> <laughs> I know. we still pray the pray wow. the prayer yeah. so continue wow. to share because that's not the end of god opening the womb but before we go there actually you have the experience in your own home and certainly friends and family who have this struggle and molly you shared beautifully that you had you know, a deeper conversion of understanding that we are revealed to God's plan and his purpose. What words might you have to any right now who are listening to this? I'm sure, well, now your heart is well-versed in speaking to couples who are struggling. Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, uh, in particular, uh, we have two children who are struggling with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after all of the years that um, we struggled with infertility and just the horrible roller coaster of of a cycle you know the the just mm. the deep deep hope and then the plunging disappointment mm. month after month and trying to get a grip on that and then how you know people will have a baby and then they would 
we always talked about they'd lap us once and then they'd lap us again and then they'd lap us a third or fourth time and it just um you know just have to just have to get a grip on emotion and learn how to be happy for other people while still acknowledging your own sorrow and recognizing that there is joy in the journey no mm-hmm. matter what mm-hmm. and we would always remind each other of that that it's where it's okay to be sad it's right to acknowledge it it's so it's such a deep deep desire of mm-hmm. the heart that it would be funny not to be sure. sad it makes me sad to think about mm-hmm. it but we always experience joy looked for it um cultivated it and um, worked at not running away from our sorrow, but mm-hmm. cultivating joy amidst it. Amidst it, I have to just mention the contrast with today's culture, which hopefully it's turning with women who find themselves pregnant without wanting that child. And accordingly, somewhere in God's mystery, the suffering of a godly soul is an occasion of grace, hopefully being poured out into the lives right now. Mm-hmm. of those moms who are scared, uh, fearful, whatever. Um, it's woven into the mystical body of Christ, and you'll never see that until one day maybe we die and I we know. see those women who want children desperately yeah. or adopted children, yeah. and uh, there's, a, there's a vacancy, an ache in their hearts, shared, I'm sure, somewhat on the other side with the enemy's work whom we yeah. need to renounce in the name of Jesus. So six children later. Yeah. Beautiful family of seven. Yeah. And the age range now. And we're still open to life. Oh, yeah. That's, that's awesome. We're <laughs> only 63. Well, we know you're working on triplets. We understand coming in. Uh, so get just so six Abraham children. What's Sarah. what's the age range and grandkids? Um, Callie is 33, I think. And we have a 17-year-old. Mary Pat is 17. And that story is just as amazing because... When, and, and five in between, yes. so just to close yeah, the loop. That's the range. Yep. That's yep. the range. And um, when I was 45, Bridget, who at the time was about eight, kept kind of nudging me saying, come on, Mom, let's have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say, Bridget, I that would be awesome, but I'm pretty old and I don't think that's going to happen. And she said... I'm just going to pray anyway, Mom. Oh, God bless Bridget. <laughs> so Mary Pat was born when I was 46. Wow. I know. Is that amazing? That is yeah. so wonderful. Beautiful Mary Pat. Yes. <laughs> so married now almost 40 years yeah. and graced with great backgrounds, again, in God's blessing, pouring into challenges and difficulties, both in family and in the community and um, people that we know, and you become fixtures. By the way, how long have you lived now in the Toledo area? Well, we were out of town for seven years, so 30, 33. I mean, because we got married here, we moved with the Andersons for seven years out of mm-hmm. town, and then, right, and then, came and then back. we came back. Praise God. Praise God. Yay. Praise God. Came back to be with our families. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for many years, got to go to Mass at St. Joan of Arc. We were charter members there where mm-hmm. your family and my family were both charter yeah. members. Awesome. So that was special. That's why we came back. Yeah. So what are some of I'm going to ask you and listen at your feet, great big brother and sister here who've experienced a lot. 
for those listening like ourselves is with your wisdom and experience, I know we're still working it out and all that, but what are some of the keys to fostering that kind of culture in our homes to those grandparents and parents who are listening? What are some of the fundamentals that have been impressed upon you Yeah. this day, this age, with the challenges, with the struggles? What are some of the fundamentals? You know, some of it sounds too simplistic, too simplistic to even state this way, but I will. Um, I think for us, it's been number one, make God first. Mm-hmm. Make God the foundation of your life. And the Holy Catholic Church was our way for that. We got involved at church even before we had children. We were involved in marriage prep, whatever we could. Youth group out in Indiana. So make make God number one, and then build your marriage on that. Mm, so everything we did emanated from that, right? I mean, that, that was number one. Even more important than my wife had to be my God because mm. everything important in my marriage and in my wife came from God. So that was, mm-hmm. that was number one. Let me pause you on that for a second, Mike. What does that look like in terms of concrete commitments? And I'm speaking to knowingly— yeah godly brothers that you and I know and love that desire this, but there is a crisis in commitment. There's a crisis in knowing in the pews and hearing and nodding your head and Father Larry said this and Father Ricardo, how awesome, but a gap between hearing that and actually committing to doing it. So what does that look like? Well, I think you engage on a number of fronts. You read a lot. You listen to Annunciation Radio. You plug in at church, and you hang with people who share that value system. You hang with other Catholics. It's Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, right? Iron sharpens mm-hmm. iron. And maybe even more influential than a book you'll read or even a homily that you'll hear, it's who are you associating with? Mm-hmm. Again, I had really good, still do, brothers and sisters that gave me an exemplary model for how to live my Catholic faith. But I also have chosen friends that help me be better Catholics. Mm-hmm. I think that's really where the heart of my formation comes from because they're the ones that help drive you into mass and and, and the positive peer pressure that comes with that and how you live it out in the workplace or in raising your kids. And I would say um, uh, first God and then each other and then our commitment to our family. As our family grew you know, all of the outside commitments started to fall away because we felt like we had to have the time with each other first. And we did cultivate that by, um, you know, just carving out time for ourselves in the midst of a busy schedule. Mm -hmm. You know about that. I mean, if you don't carve out the time, it doesn't happen. No, dinner time was sacred. Oh, dinner time. And before dinner, we had wine 30. Every oh. night, 9.30. That's not W-H-I-N-E, <laughs> no, right? No, no. W-I-N-E. All caps. That's, great. That's right. We would That's have a great. glass of wine together, and they weren't allowed to join us. We were, had time to ourselves every day. So important. We loved it. Still do it, even when they're not there. But, um, but And then just that time, and, and we found that for, for, for us, uh, homeschooling was a key for us. And, and that I know was a call from God and everybody has, you know, has to listen for their own call, but I'm certain that that was a call Mm -hmm. for us. And 
I remember even saying to God several times, if you want me to stop. Right. I'm happy to. I, you, I, I, I would. If you would call me sometimes at work. I would. And I'd say, Mike, just go over with me again why we're doing this. And I, I would. But it was. I could hear the chaos it in the was, it was It was chaos, but it, it was our commitment. And for us, it really was what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. It's been 25 years, mm-hmm. you know, and I loved it. And it was our opportunity to, to be the number one influence on in our kids mm-hmm. and to help them with the direction. I mean, I know you know as a parent, some things take a thousand repetitions Mm -hmm. and and it's just we had said i don't know how else we could accomplish that in our family um if if i didn't have so much time to devote and i feel very blessed that i was able to that we were we were able to swing it Mm -hmm. you know and um that it worked for us and i'm i'm not putting it on anybody else Mm -hmm. but i just say in our family that was a call from God, and that has made all the difference. We'd echo that, and we yes. need a whole program devoted to that. But looking at the time, I want to just state to our listeners, again, blessed to have Mike and Molly McCartney with us, sharing their story and God's grace alive in their journey. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Mike is extraordinarily gifted corporate leader coach. Um, he takes excellence and makes it all the better, and he's blessed to bring that gift not only to those who are clients, but also in his gift generously given to many Catholic arenas and and others. And we share love for the likes of Stephen Covey and Maxwell and Collins. And in Covey's book, he invites us to reflect upon the end of our life in our, you know, casket and our friends are gathered around us. And what are they saying about us? What would he like them to say about us? And to consider, you know, what are we doing now to determine that? Mike, that image struck a little close to home for you in the past few months. Share with us what happened and maybe, in a, you know, an impact in the short time that we have, an impact, the lessons, how God blessed you through the recent three months. Yeah, thank you. So <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I had a heart attack and had my wife not been in the, <clears throat> in the backyard, I'd have died right beside the barn. I never had a heart attack. I never had a chest pain or any kind of sign, but I went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward, I had uh, open heart surgery just a couple of months ago at the Cleveland Clinic for something else they found when I had the heart attack. So when you are on the table for open heart, you become very introspective mm-hmm. about life and that what you were just talking about, about the lifeline, birth, death. And as our Lord tells us, we do not know the day or the hour. And I can remember when I was being loaded up into the ambulance after my heart attack, thinking, I could die right here. Mm-hmm. They lose guys right mm-hmm. here. And I was blessed with the grace not to be afraid. I quickly mm-hmm. said my act of contrition because I wanted to make sure I got that in. And then I rolled right into a divine mercy because I thought, I don't know if I'll finish a rosary. Right, right. But I thank God for that. And it really, you do recalibrate a mm. little bit. I thought I appreciated life before, but even more so today. And I am grateful for whatever days I can still draw breath. How did it affect the relationships in your own immediate family? Did you see some maturing of grace as your children sort of 
became aware yeah, well, of the, the blessing thing, all that my we can't take ran off and got their hearts checked. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were yeah. smart there. But our own kids, Molly could probably speak to that. She was more in tune maybe what they were feeling. But I think there was some uh, trepidation on their part and just mm-hmm. thinking, geez, we could lose our dad. Yeah. That happens. Oh, yeah. And it was it was very precious when the doctor came out and um, from the surgery after the surgery and it really kind of surprised me and warmed my heart but there was such when he said when the doctor said everything went well and there was such a loud collective sigh of relief and then our oldest daughter who has been you know a challenge at times throughout our life burst into tears burst into tears and she said oh i'm just so grateful and just came hugged me and i just thought wow we all need we all need this man Mm -hmm. and it was just a great affirmation you know that they love him so dearly and need him and recognize Mm -hmm. that that doesn't always happen and they were holding their breath hoping that all would be well so beautiful it was beautiful before we go, I, I just could not not acknowledge how blessed we are to have the Schleter family in Toledo. Wow. I remember you guys hit our parish like a missile. <laughs> <laughs> That's not always positive, you know. Yeah, we knew was. you were coming it because was. Hiroshima Father, kind of thing. Father Adam was friends with your brother, mm-hmm. I think, Greg. Yes, he yeah, was. But his, and, Tobias was his within, yeah. within a few Sundays, you knew half the people in the pews mm. and they all knew you, and it was all good. And you have done nothing with your family but continually brought grace and your blessing to our parish. So thank you for thank being in our community. God bless you. Thank you Folks, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live. So blessed to be sharing life in God's grace alive in this moment. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, you made us for yourself. You fashion these hearts for your indwelling spirit. There's nothing in our lives that are outside of your reach or your love. In this very moment, we recommit our love to you. Transform us, renew us for the glory of your name. We pray in this Easter season through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit.